Well, today we take a look at the favorite Christmas carol, Silent Night. Uh, this is personally one of my favorites. It's a song that, that gives me a lot of peace, uh, no matter what's happening in my life. Um, and maybe it does for you as well. So there's a really neat backstory to this song, and there's, there's so much that we're going to learn to find peace in a chaotic and a hectic world. Um, the, the, the peace that this song brings, I think, uh, you know, part of it's nostalgia, and maybe it is for you. Uh, that is, for, as long as I can remember, I'm 53 years old now, and uh, I, I've been to 52 Christmas services in my life so far, most likely. And, and every single one of them, with a very few exceptions, the Christmas Eve service ended with Silent Night. So it brings back all these family memories and childhood memories, and, and that's certainly a part of it. And, and by the way, I did check our Christmas list for, playlist for this coming Christmas Eve, and thank goodness Jonathan got it right. Our worship director does have Silent Night as the final hymn, so, uh, so that's a good thing. Um, but, but what gives us so much peace when we hear this song is not just the nostalgia of it, but it's the, the message of it, the words, the lyrics, and then also this beautiful melody coupled with it that instills peace in our hearts. So let's take a closer look at this, at this carol. Um, the history of it is actually quite interesting. The song is a little bit over 200 years old. It was written by a, uh, a Catholic priest in Austria, and his name was Joseph Moore. Uh, Joseph wrote this hymn in uh, the year 1816. And it wasn't actually sung until two years later, and I'll explain that in just a minute. But he wrote this hymn at the very end of the Napoleonic Wars. Uh, Twelve years, Austria had been at war, and the people were worn out. The people were stressed. The people were traumatized by war. And if that wasn't bad enough, in 1815, a year earlier, a huge volcanic explosion in Indonesia sent a heavy cloud of ash into the upper atmosphere that actually changed the climate in Europe for a time. And crops were devastated, and there was widespread famine. People were suffering. People were anxious. People were traumatized. In the midst of all of that, he thought, what would, we need a Christmas hymn that would give us peace at a time like this. And that is when he wrote the lyrics to Silent Night. Well, he did not yet have them uh, put to song, and so he took a, 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 a new job. He was transferred. His parish was moved to a, a different small town in Austria, uh, in the Alps, and that town, uh, the, the church that he was moved to was called, ironically, St. Nicholas, and so uh, the, the Silent Night was first performed in a church uh, by people at Jolly St. Nick's, is how I imagine it, uh, which I think is appropriate. So... Uh, Joseph Moore himself did not write Silent Night, the music to it, I mean. Instead, he asked a good friend to write it for him. It was the schoolmaster of a nearby town and a friend and an organist, a musician, who wrote the music that we now know and love so much. The name of that man who wrote it, by the way, was Franz Gruber. Now, if your brain looks, works like mine, you say, wait a minute, wasn't that the villain in Die Hard? Right? Somebody, I know, somebody said that after the first service. Yeah. Um, I looked it up. It wasn't Franz Gruber. It was Hans Gruber was the villain. So you got to keep straight your Hans and Franz. Um, anyway, maybe your brain doesn't work like mine. Sorry for the diversion. Uh, back, back to Silent Night. So the, the song was written, but the church organ at St. Nicholas was broken because of flooding. And, and so actually Joseph Moore showed up for that Christmas Eve service with a guitar and that's how Silent Night was first performed. He strummed the guitar and sang this beautiful carol for his people 
And sure enough, they received the peace and the comfort, knowing that God is still there, God still cares, and they went home in peace. You know, it took another 20 or 30 years for for it to gradually spread and become uh, a viral hit, Uh, but it did. It went worldwide. It's been translated into over 300 languages. When I was a missionary in Russia, we we sang it in Russian as well. It's all throughout the world. There's a a famous uh, Christmas truce during World War I in 1914, where on Christmas Day, troops from Britain and Germany, Germany stopped fighting, started singing some Christmas carols, and one of them was actually Silent Night. And the legend has it that they actually came out of their foxholes and were, were shaking hands and at peace for a day, singing Silent Night together. It's a pretty incredible song. So, this message of peace and hope amidst chaos and suffering and noise, I think that's something that resonates with us today as well, isn't it? So let's take a look at the, the, the verses of this hymn. Before we get to that, though, as, as we look at the verses of Silent Night, we find that it's a relatively simple song. Now, if you were here last week, we unpacked Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and there is so much in that one, Pastor Mike couldn't even go into all the details because it is so theologically dense and rich. Uh, if you missed that sermon, make sure you go back and watch that one. Silent Night is not that rich or dense when it comes to theology. Oh, it's in there. It's just a lot lighter, it's a lot more consumable, which isn't that really true of the Christmas story itself. If you have a chance, read through Luke chapter 2 today, and you'll find it's not, there's not much embellishment there. The story is told in a very direct, simple, almost unemotional way. In fact, let me just share a couple of those verses with you. Luke chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. So while they, Mary and Joseph, were there in the town of Bethlehem, the time came for the baby... Jesus, to be born. And she, Mary, gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Pretty short and simple. Deserves a song that's short and simple and gives us peace. And that is Silent Night. So let's take a look at the verses of this hymn. Verse 1. Silent night, holy night, All is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. What a beautiful picture of a peaceful, quiet, calm night when Jesus was born. Which makes me wonder, really? I think maybe Joseph Moore got that one a little bit wrong. (laughs) I don't think it was a calm, silent, peaceful night. You remember the setting uh, of Jesus' birth? So Mary and Joseph actually lived in a town, a small, small village called Nazareth. Uh, but then Caesar came along and said, I'd like to take a census. And for my census, I'd like everybody to travel back to their, their, uh, their, their, their town of origin, where their ancestors were from. And we're going to re- you'll register there, and that's how I'm going to count everybody. So Mary, just shy of nine months pregnant, has no choice but to travel with Joseph, 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem in order to fulfill the obligations that the government had placed on them. You see in the pictures this nice donkey that Mary was riding on the whole way. They were a very, very poor family. I wonder if there was really a donkey. I'm kind of guessing there probably wasn't. So they made this 90-mile journey, probably on foot, and um, if they're traveling at an average pace, if they could keep moving eight hours a day, it would have taken them four days to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And in Mary's condition, I'm guessing it was probably closer to a week. So they get into Bethlehem, 
It was the town of David, where David's origins were, who had lived a thousand years earlier. A lot of people were from Bethlehem. The town was packed with people. So imagine Mary and Joseph going up to an inn or a door, uh, maybe maybe just a random house. We really need a place to stay. My wife is pregnant. I'm sorry, but we're full up. We already got people here going to the next house. Sorry, nope, no room here either. Nope, nope, no room in ours. Come to another house, and they finally say, sorry, you're not going to find a house. You're not going to find a room in this entire in this entire town. There are a ton of people in town, but I've got a, I got a stable over there. Uh, there's some animals in it, but you're welcome to it if you want it. That's where they go. They stay in a stable. And then can you imagine, Mary goes into labor. She's not in a sterile hospital room. She's not even in a hotel room. She's in a place with animals nearby where animals have done their business. And there she has to give birth to a baby. Highly doubt they brought a midwife with them. Were they able to secure a midwife after getting to Bethlehem? That doesn't seem likely to me. Joseph was probably the, the, the nurse delivering baby Jesus. And then there was Shelley, the sheep nearby. Uh, she was there too, but probably not much assistance. And into that, the Savior was born. Was it calm and peaceful? I don't think so. Were there people just outside the door walking through the streets in commotion and, and hustle and bustle? Probably so, so did Joseph Moore kind of blow it here? Just wanted to paint an idyllic scene that wasn't real? You know what? I, I bet there was some calm and peace and silence when Jesus was born. Maybe not in the world around them, because that was a little chaotic and noisy. But in the heart of Mary and Joseph, would Mary have stopped and reflected on who this baby was that was in that manger? I think she would have. Would she have remembered what the angel had told her months early, earlier? Looked at him and said, The Holy One, the Son of God. <gasps> Peace. A silent night in her heart. I think that's entirely possible. And I believe that that is a peace and a calm that you can enjoy as well in the midst of noise and chaos and stress that you may be experiencing in your life too. And I'm going to get to more of that in just a minute. Let's see the rest of the song first though. Look at verse 2. <coughs> Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight. Glory stream from heaven afar, heavenly hosts sing alleluia. Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. So with, with that, uh, Joseph Moore switches the scene and he takes us to the shepherds who I believe that evening were experiencing silence and calm and peace as they watched sh uh, their sheep in the fields at night, not much hustle and bustle away from the town. Nice, quiet evening until it wasn't. So their silence was broken by all of a sudden this bright light shines down on them. The glory of the Lord, the supernatural light shines all around them and it scared them. They were terrified. And then an angel speaks and an angel talks to them and announces to them, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Which is what was captured in the hymn verse, right? Christ the Savior is born. Um, Joseph Moore was echoing what the angel announced to these shepherds. And then, 
Um, all of a sudden, the entire sky was filled with this choir of angels singing, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those peace, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, why, why did God announce the birth of Jesus in such a spectacular way? Well, the, the announcement of the birth of any baby is always something big, isn't it? It's a happy announcement. But, but God was not content to get the news out there through Facebook. That wouldn't be enough. That wouldn't be good enough. N- nor send out some emails or make a few phone calls. No, for the Son of God being born, nothing would do except an angel from heaven itself appearing and announcing the good news that Christ the Savior was born in Bethlehem. And then, to praise God for this incredible event... It wasn't enough for that angel to start singing. It wasn't enough to bring in a good quartet of angels. No, the armies of angels, all of the heavenly hosts, joined their voices because they knew what a big deal this was, even though though to human eyes it seemed like a simple baby born in a manger and laying in a manger there. But they knew what this meant. And so they sang praises and glory to God in the highest heaven because they knew that this baby meant that there could be peace between God and man. Pretty cool verse. That's the common, the peace that you can experience at Christmas as you remember who this baby is. When you remember that that God knows you, that God loves you, and that in Jesus you are united with God. So let's let's take a look at verse 3 quick though. Um, It says this, Silent night, holy night, Son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face, with the dawn of redeeming grace, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. So with this final verse, Joseph Moore helps us remember who this really was and so what that he was born. It's critical for us to know. So who was this that was born? Son of God. Loves pure light. So, so God took a look at our, our human condition and he saw that we've made a mess of things. You see, God, God made us, originally, he made our, our first parents perfect in a close relationship with him. That's how he intended it. Dependent on him, recognizing him for his majesty and glory and the provision he gives and living under him in love and joy and obedience. And then God takes a look at what he sees now, and he sees disobedience and rebellion and sin, and he finds it ugly. When we don't live a life that lines up with the holiness he requires, he finds that disgusting. He finds it offensive. He looks at our condition, and he said, I wanted them close in a dear, loving relationship, and they are far, far from me. And he, and he looked at us and he said, they're not going to fix this. In fact, they can't fix this. They are broken at the most fundamental level. But love's pure light shone in this world. And God did what we couldn't. The Son of God broke into our existence. This is real human history. 2,000 years ago, you can go visit the place. God took on human flesh. This was the dawn of redeeming grace. That's kind of a hard phrase. Let me unpack that for you. Uh, Grace 
well, dawn, first of all, you know what that is. It means the beginning of something, the dawn of humanity. Sometimes you hear that phrase. It's something is beginning. Uh, grace is God's undeserved loving kindness. Okay? We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it, and yet he loves us anyway. Redeeming grace means, redeem means to pay a price or to give something in exchange for something or someone. That's what it means that God redeemed us. His redeeming grace means that God saw our condition, he saw how lost we were and how broken we were, and his heart broke for us, and he said, I got to do something about this. What can I give that will get them back? And it wasn't money or gold or a human being, not, not valuable enough. The only thing that he could give in exchange for us was his son. His son would have to take on human flesh. His son would have to do what we have failed to do, be perfect. His son would have to take our sin, our guilt, our shame, all the ugliness, all the offense, take it on himself, take it to the cross. And through that, through him, through his redeeming grace, we can be brought back to God again. We are redeemed. We are forgiven. We are God's children. This is the beautiful message of Christmas. This is the beautiful message that gives you peace no matter what you are dealing with in your life. Because, because of Jesus, because of who he is and what he did for you, that means you are right with God. You're good with him. It means your sins are all forgiven. It means that he is with you and is powerfully at work for you. It means that you have an eternal future with him, guaranteed, because Jesus did it. Are we sure? Yeah, we'll, we'll cover that at Easter. He rose from the dead, remember? The proof and the guarantee that the payment he offered in exchange for you was sufficient, and God accepted it. You are good with God, which means you're going to go today with some peace in your heart. I don't know what uh, Joseph Moore had in mind, other scripture passages that were going through his head, but I can tell you that when I unpack these verses of Silent Night, there is one that immediately popped into my head, and it wouldn't surprise me if it was in his as well. Um, and that, that uh, is Psalm 46. I'm not going to read the whole psalm to you, but I do want to share some verses with you, and my challenge to you will be to read it in full several more times this week, because in that psalm, we hear this. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Can you imagine being in a situation where the earth is falling apart, where a mountain crashes into a body of water and a giant tsunami starts? How terrifying that would be? And, and the psalm says, we will not fear. Not even in that, because God is our refuge and our strength. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, that will be good. We'll have no fear. Because, verse 7, next verse, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He says, this almighty, powerful God who is our fortress, he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Nothing will stop that. In the end, God will be exalted. He is in control. He is with you. And he says, be still. So I think a good way to 
remember, what is Silent Night really all about would be this. Silent Night, you can fill in these blanks, is simply this. Be still and know that he is God. Can you remember that every time you hear Silent Night? Be still and know that he is God. In any circumstance that you face in life, in any season of life, you can be still and know that he is God. And I've experienced this in my own life in so many different ways, so many different stories I could share. I'm going to go back a ways and share one with you uh, from way back when I was a vicar. And if you're not familiar with that term, a vicar is a one-year internship that all of our pastors do where they spend a year in a congregation getting some practice with ministry. So um, you are assigned which congregation you go to. My assignment was to go to a congregation in Anchorage, Alaska, of all places. And that's where I spent my vicar year, and it was an incredible, incredible year. Um, In addition to learning how to be a pastor, I also got to experience the beauty of Alaska, and I highly recommend that you go there if you haven't. Uh, It is something to behold, and you will be in awe of God when you see the beauty of that state. Uh, So... It was after Easter, Easter fell early April, and it was the week after Easter, and my future father-in-law, because that is where I met my future wife was in, uh, in Alaska, funny how God works things, um, uh, my future father-in-law said, hey, vicar, would you, you're just a vicar, you don't have much going on, would you like to go with me to a remote cabin, so there was another pastor who had her cabin out in the remote wilderness of Alaska near Mount Denali. Um, and, and would you like to go with me and do some snow machining? Pause. Snow machine in Alaska is a snowmobile. It's the exact same machine. They just call it a machine there, not a snowmobile, because they're cooler. So, um, snow, I said, oh, yeah, yes, that sounds like a blast. That would be fun. So it was just the two of us. We drive two and a half hours north of Anchorage, um, get into the area around Mount Denali. Um, we, we park in this remote parking lot where we were the only car parked there, a gravel parking lot. Um, from there, people would often do some snow machining. Uh, we we get, get our gear, we get on our two snow machines, and we ride for about two miles. I have no idea where we were going. We find this remote cabin. Uh, he knew how to find it. He knew where to get it um, and uh, where to find it. And we, we made it there. And, and with time to spare, we decided to do a little bit of riding around that, that evening yet. And, and I had no idea where we were, but I'm very thankful that I was following him. He has an impeccable sense of direction. I do not. That's going to play into the story in just a minute. Um, <clears throat> so, the next morning, our plan was, let's get as close as we can to Denali and see it in all its glory. Uh, and, and so, we, we started out in the morning. Uh, we rode for at least, it must have been two hours, I think. Uh, I, again, no clue where we're going. I'm just following him the whole way. We're, we're weaving through all these trees and forests, and, and there were some, some trails already there, but nobody, never saw another human being, never saw a road, never saw another parking lot, never saw another cabin. It was remote area of Alaska. We're, we're going through. We, we get up higher and higher as we keep snaking our way toward Denali, and uh, we're finally up above the tree line, pristine snow. Nobody had been there. Uh, we, we, we get up to crest this hill, and there's Denali in front of us. Totally clear, which if you, if you know anything about it, that's pretty rare. Clear day, beautiful, took some incredible shots, spectacular. That's the good part of the story. What happened next was, on our way back, um, there's something you need to know about me um, that you probably would be surprised to hear, and that is I sometimes have a need, a need for speed. So on the way back, uh, I, oh, we're just going down this really long, open hill with no trees. Obviously, I'm not going to get lost. I open it up, fly down that hill. He didn't. 
He stayed behind, um, got down to the long way down that hill until we started hitting some trees again and start snaking through some trees and they're getting more and more dense and I thought, maybe I should stop uh, and let him catch up or figure out where he is. I look behind, he's nowhere to be seen. Uh, long story short, I look around, I go back and forth, I, I try to find him, I can't find him. I thought, oh, well, he must, he must have figured I know the way back. He didn't figure that. I just thought he did. So I thought, well, it's up to me. I've got to figure this out. I start, I start going in the direction I think we need to go. Everything looks the same. The trees, the, the paths, uh, the, the trails, everything looks identical. Um, doesn't take long before I realize, yeah, I really have no idea where I'm at. So I, I start thinking, well, what can I do? And I, I find a trail where there were probably, you know, eight, ten trails wide. It was a big old trail. I thought, this will at least take me to another human being or a parking lot or something. I start following this trail, and then a, one, one path goes that way, another one, another one, another one, another one, another one, another one, until I get to the end, and there's four trails going off in, single trails going off in random directions. I'm like, uh-oh. I don't even know which of these to take. I don't have any provisions. They're in the other snow, snow machine. I don't have a compass. I don't have a GPS. I don't have a cell phone. It's 1994. Um, I, I, I had no, I had no idea how big the gas tank was. Do I have 15 minutes of gas left? Do I have five hours of gas left? I have no clue. I was in a panic. I was sweating even though it was cold. I, I didn't know what to do. I go back into the middle of the wide plain where I was. I shut off the snow machine, and I did what I should have done at the start. I laid back on it. And I looked up at the sky, and I started praying. I said, God, I don't know where I am. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I am helpless. I need your presence. I need your guidance. Please, 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 let me get out of this alive. Spoiler alert, I did. <laughs> uh, but but so, so then, um, I, 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 I was, uh, this peace and this calm came over me once I stopped and prayed. My head cleared. And I sat up, and I looked around, and I started thinking, okay, if I was standing at the cabin, what would, what would the scenery look like? Okay, that mountain range would be closer. That mountain range would be a little bit further. Okay, so I need to drive this way. That's literally what I did. I drove 20 minutes. I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to keep going toward that mountain range. I did that for 20 minutes. I stopped. I paused. I reevaluated. Okay, it's looking a little better perspective, but now I need to go this way. Did that like three, four, five different times, and then all of a sudden... I, I come out of this batch of trees, and there's the cabin. I, that whole time, we never saw another human being, never saw a road, never saw a parking lot. This random cabin in the middle of the Alaskan wilderness, I found it. <laughs> like, wow, thank God. <laughs> and there were a bunch of thank you prayers, and the, uh, this load was lifted off, and calm and peace came over me. I would suggest to you that even if you're not facing that, you can have the same calm and peace, whatever it is you are facing. And th I, I know I've seen your communication card prayer requests. And, and I know what a lot of you are going through. I know the challenges that you are facing, and it's not easy. So what is it for you? Is it a health thing that's happening? And you don't know how it's going to end. Or maybe it's, it's a friend of yours or your, a relative that's got it, and you don't know how this is going to end. Maybe you're experiencing your first Christmas after the death of a loved one, and it's hard. Maybe you're thinking about your student loan debt. Is the government really going to forgive it or not? Who's paying this and how? And it's just feeling, you're just feeling this load on you because of that financial burden. 
Maybe your company uh, layoffs are starting to become more and more frequent in corporate America, and the rumors are starting, and you wonder if your job might be next. You look at the inflation rate. Just went to Aldi the other day. $4.06 for a dozen eggs. That's crazy. It's a lot of money. How am I going to pay? How are we going to meet our budget? How are we going to make our bills? Look at my 401k diving. Or, or maybe it's a relationship problem. Maybe you uh, are struggling with you and your spouse are, are, are struggling in your relationship or, or maybe you're in the midst of a divorce or maybe you just had a divorce or maybe it's with your children that you're not getting along with them and there's, there's estrangement there and it's hard or, or maybe it's a coworker that just you never get along with so maybe it's a relationship thing. What is the stress, the, the, the thing that's out of control in your life, the thing that you're most worried about right now that's robbing you of peace, that's making you anxious and worried, the noise, the chaos. God says, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Know that the Lord Jesus is God in human flesh. The Son of God loves pure light. Born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, who reunited you with God. God looks at you and doesn't hold his nose. He smiles. He says, you're mine. And I know you. And I've got a plan for you. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. I've got an eternal future for you. You're going to love it. Whatever you're dealing with, return to God. Put your trust in him. And I believe you'll have peace. So can I give you a simple assignment before we go? This week, I want you to have this peace. And here's a simple thing you can do. Would you this week, at least once a day, and I think you'll enjoy it if you do it more than once a day, would you open up a Bible or your app to Psalm 46, and at the same time, would you find your favorite version of of Silent Night, or any version for that matter, go go on YouTube and find it, turn on Silent Night, and read through Psalm 46. The next day, turn on Silent Night, read through Psalm 46, take a deep breath, Say some prayers to your God who loves you. And tell me if you don't experience some calm and peace, a silent night, and that you don't give glory to God, because I believe you will. God, help us do that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we live in a a world that is broken, and we are too. And that means that there's going to be some chaos and hardship and pain and trouble and suffering Um, Sometimes our material needs will not be adequate. Sometimes relationships will be broken. Uh, Lord, whatever issues we're facing, uh, even even the bigger ones like health or the death of a loved one, whatever we're dealing with right now, Lord, help us to look to Jesus, look to that manger, look to the Holy One, the Son of God who was born there, and remember and rejoice that Christ the Savior was born, the one who reconciles us to you, the one who redeemed us by your grace, means we're good with you now and forever. And that can give us peace no matter what we're dealing with right now. Help us to remember Psalm 46, that the God of Jacob is our refuge, that you are our fortress and you will never leave us. Lord, help us to be still and know that you are God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.